Hey, Kevin Draves here with the Howl for Diamond Box Bluetooth speakers. I got to tell you, I play basketball at the gym down the road for me all the time. And sometimes I go late at night. I bring my Diamond Box. And now they're introducing three new systems. The new L2, XL2, and M2 all feature stereo sound by themselves or split stereo sound with wireless syncing of two units for a live sound experience. Loud enough for any environment. And I kid you not, you could play this at low volume and you'll hear it in any room of your house. This is the most powerful Bluetooth boombox speaker on the market today. Check them out on Twitter at Diamond Box Co. That's box with two X's, Diamond Box Co. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's the fifth pick in the 1995 NBA draft. The Minnesota Timberwolves select Kevin Garnett from Farragut Academy in Chicago. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to the Western Conference Finals. Happy birthday, Kevin Garnett. From the den, this is The Howl. We would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. Taking a deeper dive into the most recent Wolves game versus the Charlotte Hornets. Going into this one, Wolves are 5-1 and one over their last six, a plus 74 as well in that stretch. Hornets on the season 0-4 versus the West, but currently sitting in the 8th spot in the Eastern Conference. Key to this game is going to be we need Wiggins to keep attacking, something he did last game very well. For the Hornets, Kemba on the season a record for points per game and assists per game for him. Starting off, Towns immediately extends his three-point shooting streak, or sorry, three-point make streak to 25 games. Towns has been absolutely crucial 
in these stretch of games. That is not a shock. Best player on the team, starting to really shine ever since Jimmy Butler has been gone from the team. So we want to need him to keep that up. Again, 25 games is a huge streak. One of only four players in the league currently that has hit a three in every one of his team's contests. Now, anyone that follows me saw this play on Twitter when I tweeted it out. But one thing that Wiggins did, uh, there's a certain play right at the beginning of this where they were shoot, about to shoot a three. They threw it over to a player on the Hornets. And Wiggins closed out. What was great about this play, and again, you can find that video at the Sports Min on Twitter. What's great about that video is it shows something the Wolves in recent years have really struggled with, and it's a good closeout, not a flyby. So many players on this team seem like they've been doing, you get a lot of like flybys, for example. And when I say that, so you'll see a guy is about to take a shot and you you can't you're not sure if you're going to get there in time and you leap and you go end up going right past him and the, the problem with that is if he fakes he just switches over takes a wide open three or sometimes he drives in if the lane is open what Wiggins did on this play was great closes out but he does not leap he closes out puts a hand up on the defender and the second the defender tries to go by he shifts his feet one thing Wiggins has done really well lately is he will move his, uh, depending on the direction that the player is going, he moves backwards as a forward to sideways. If you move backwards, you keep, you, you're able to pick up that first step and you're able to stick with the defender better. And that is something to watch for going forward. Wiggins on the defensive end has been pretty fantastic. Early on in this one, so in the first quarter, lots of luck for the Hornets team. Putting up shots, I mean, I felt like in the first quarter specifically, the Wolves played some really, really good defense at times, and it didn't seem to matter. We've talked about this in the past, that really, really good offense can beat even the best defense. And so that was something that was happening just a lot in this first quarter. But again, not all of it was just really good. Some of it was just, it just seemed really lucky. They'd put up shots and you're like, there's no way that's going. And then you're just like, well, I don't even know what we're doing here. And so that seemed to be part of the reason why the Wolves just, uh, you know, struggled a bit just in terms of trying to get any sort of a lead in the first quarter. In fact, it, it really was just a struggle in that first quarter. And so moving on, one thing I've noticed in the games with the Timberwolves here is Taj Gibson. He is so fantastic both inside and outside. You know, when he signed his contract, a lot of people were upset, thought he was overpaid. And I'm not saying he's not necessarily overpaid a bit, but he's definitely done a pretty good job being able to live up to that contract. As far as inside-outside goes, what's so impressive to me Number one is when he's inside, he has amazing footwork. He's got that quick spin that he's able to put on to guys. If he runs down the court and gets really deep inside position right away, the Wolves have to look to try to work it inside to him just really quickly because if it's there, he tends to score more often than not in my eyes. There's not a lot of players in the NBA that defend him that can defend him because he plays at such a high level in the post. On top of that, going into this game, I had mentioned how I wanted to see more three-point shooting and Gibson provided that, that was definitely something they looked for a bit in the corner. I think what happens is when they have some sort of a switch, sometimes you'll have Towns in the post, obviously another fantastic post player, but Gibson will be out in the corner. Let's say Towns is down below. Gibson has the opportunity to get some open shots from three, and he's been hitting them. I think he should continue to get those looks, and, and hopefully the coach agrees. But in this one, we definitely saw a good mix of Gibson inside-outside, and he was able to be a good contributor from both. So one thing that we've noticed is on this season, rebounds have been a pretty big issue for the Wolves. Now, taking a look at this um, one and a half weeks, so the last one and a half weeks, the Wolves are fifth 
in offensive rebounds per game, second in second chance points. So the Wolves, what I'm seeing, defensive rebounds per game has definitely been an issue. Sometimes a guy will put up a shot, and I've noticed whether it's Towns, whether it's you know whoever the player is, we're not always great at finding our guy or finding a guy and boxing out. So when I coached, one thing that was really important to me, and we would run drills where I would throw up a shot, a purposeful miss, and the second that ball released my hands, whoever you were next to, you immediately had to man up. So you got to feel for the guy. you got to put your body into that player. Now, you're not holding them, but you're, you're getting low and you're backing into that person because you want to cause them to have to either go above, over you and follow you or try, you know, and they can't get around you if you're really pushing into them, playing and pushing up hard. It's almost like a reverse. It's almost like a reverse check, and you're not trying to hit the guy necessarily, but you want to feel them with your body, and you want to know that they're there, so you can actually put pressure on them to not be able to get up for that rebound. One thing I see with the Wolves is sometimes they get out rebounded on the defensive end because they aren't looking to box out the nearest player, which that's something that definitely needs to change. Now it's great that we're seeing improvements from rebounding, but we need to see more. We need to see more specifically on the defensive end, and a lot of that, again, is going to be effort and just kind of putting that extra effort into finding a guy that's near you, boxing out, and just being active on that end. But one thing that was mentioned for Towns, and he has said the one of the things, if you're going to get defensive rebounds, you need to get stops. Well, that's all well and good, and the team has been getting stops. But I think, again, the next step is going to be making sure you're proactive you got to be active on the glass. If a shot goes up, you got to find your guy, and that does not always happen. So that's one thing to watch for going forward. I think as a team, they could definitely improve in that area. You know, one thing, you know, recently, a couple games ago, I talked about how I was really impressed with the officiating. I'm never, I should just never say that. No, I'm, I, I am the kind of person that can get upset with officiating. I have friends that are referees that referee at a very high level, and I know there's good referees out there. I just don't know that the NBA has them at times. So uh, this is another game with a lot of bad calls. You had Jeremy Lamb goes up for a shot, clearly with the off arm, and he gets the call and the and one. It's like stuff like that really frustrates me because I see Towns get called for stuff like this all the time, and I I just want consistency. If off arm plays and off arm off arm offensive fouls are something we're going to be calling consistently, or that consistently, yes, and but then I want it called consistently. But so consistently as in both teams getting those same types of calls. And I just have not seen that happen so far. This would be a good moment to jump in to our live 2K19 simulation of the next game the Wolves have at Portland. So they will be taking on the Portland Trailblazers in their next matchup. I actually think this could be a pretty good matchup. And as usual, we like to go through 2K19, run a simulation in the NBA NBA Today portion which ends up being the most uh, up-to-date as far as players, injuries, uh, rankings, that sort of thing. So we're starting that up now and be giving you updates throughout this episode. So again, we talked about bad calls, but moving out of that, speaking of bad, Wiggins' mid-range miss and his shot chart. Now, I, I sent this out again at the Sports Min, but man, that's a guy that just doesn't get it as far as shot selection is concerned. I don't I can't think of any reason logically why he makes the decisions he does when it comes to shot selection. Now, I know why he does it. It's because he's so athletic, and in his mind, he can jump so high that you know these little fades or these jumps above players are so simple. To me, it's lazy basketball, and he just needs to stop it 100%. Again, if you have not taken a look, you can even go on Google if you want, if you, if you aren't on Twitter. You can look up Andrew Wiggins' shot chart and just take a look at the mid-range, and it is bad. 
I mean, he's not hitting shots from there. But even if he was, it's such an inefficient shot when you could just take a few steps back and take a three. Or, as he demonstrated at numerous times more recently, it's so easy for him, compared to some players, to get to the hoop. So there's no reason why he shouldn't just go to the hoop. Drive the lane or take those threes. Is he going to take some mid-range shots? Of course, especially given there's a propensity on this team to throw the ball to him in almost like hot potato or grenade-like situations where shot clock's ending. He's going to have to put some shots up. I get that. There's times when there's going to be good defense, and he might have to put up a shot that's not ideal. I get that. But cons- and Now, he has started to shoot less, 100%. He has. But I, to me, when he is taking them, he's taking them in situations where it's not, it's not a thing that he has to do. It's a shot he can get any time. And he's taking it in a situation that's sometimes early in the shot clock, Sometimes it's in a situation where you know there's no pressure at all, and yet he's still taking those. As a coach, I would definitely look for some sort of punishment, uh, you know, or some sort of way to deter him from doing that. And hopefully, Thibodeau looks that route. One thing you saw early on in this game, and really throughout the game, and this has been a trend, not just a mirage, is Towns super active on defense. His ability to get blocks has really increased on the season, and I'm really, really impressed with what he's been able to do on the defensive end. And hopefully it continues. He's moving his feet a lot better. Let, let anyone tell you what they want about defense. Some of it's effort, of course, for certain players. But it's also a huge part of defense is form and footwork because form and footwork are huge when it comes to defense. And Towns has really, really started to be active and, and good for him. It's, it's good to see him take that next step on the defensive end. I think we can all agree that a big part of that are players like Covington and Saric coming in and changing that locker room and just changing the mentality that that team has. Towns gets ch- called for a charge early on in this one. I don't know what it is about Towns and referees, but he just does not get that. I don't even, I wouldn't even say like superstar calls. I mean, he doesn't get those, but just take away the idea of superstar calls and he doesn't get regular calls. This is a call that was very frustrating to me. But as Jim P. points out in the telecast, the problem here is, and this has been a huge issue pretty much all year, is the only reason this even happens is because Jeff Teague, again, passes up an open three. It's so frustrating. I almost wish we could put on one of those pet collars, and every time he passes up an open three, we just zing him. We zap him in the neck, and he's like, okay, i got to shoot. Something. But his decision-making is no bueno. I just have been very frustrated with Jeff Teague's decision-making. Now, in his defense, I have been super impressed with his effort on the defensive end. His active hands, he's moving his feet a lot better. He's doing so much more on the defensive end. But offensively, still making tons of mistakes. Now, I get it. He's a really good point guard in terms of being able to set I mean, set other guys up. But he struggles in many areas, even in that regard. He struggles to get Carl Towns the ball in the post. Uh, pick and roll, he's not ideal. There's so many issues that Jeff Teague has. But again, I don't want to knock on him because he's playing really good basketball right now, but he could be playing so much better if he just fixed his decision-making. We mentioned Wiggins and the mid-range shots. There's two things Teague needs to fix for this team to really, really be good. His decision-making is it actually covers both, but it's take open threes. He has to do that. And then this dribbling around like an idiot. He needs to stop doing that. He's dribbling around. I don't even know what his intent is. I mean, sometimes you want like it'll finish off and he turns the ball over or he just does something where you're like scratching your head and, and you can't figure out what was the point of any of that. And if he could fix those two issues, it would go a long ways in making this team that much better. Now, looking at the Hornets, uh, they've been held under a 100 one time this season. Now, 
after that first quarter, it was not looking pretty. If you look at the Wolves themselves, they are 6-0 and when they hold teams under 100. So that's something to really watch for, game in and game out. And, and it's no surprise. If you play really good defense, if you hold teams to low, low efficiency, and if you stop them from scoring over 100 points, especially when you're as good offensively as we are, you're probably going to win the game. So being 6-0 is not that surprising. I would think most teams are probably uh, pretty high up when they hold teams under 100. Towards the end of the second, Wiggins does a drive and score going for a 2-for-1, which was very cool to see. Him driving to the hoop, being more aggressive, is exactly what we looked for going into this game, and it's nice for us to see that. This uh, ended a 7-to-1 run is what the Wolves were currently on at this point uh, to end the first. So even though they started off poorly in that first quarter and the Hornets were, like I mentioned, very, very lucky, everything was hitting, it was a good way to end that first quarter. Quarter two, unfortunately, starts all Hornets as they are able to build their lead up to 41-33. to Jim Pete mentions Gorgie Jang's shots dictate a lot, and I would agree there. The other thing that dictates a lot is Gorgie Jang's propensity to travel. I don't know what it is about Gorgie Jang, but he, and he hasn't done this a lot lately, specifically this type, which is where he does that fake and then like he's going to like fake and then a drive and he traveled constantly and it's a shifting of the feet or, you know, sometimes you see a guy kind of go, ah, kind of, it's almost like a quick jump where both their feet like move opposite directions. You'll see that a lot on drives. That's a travel that's pretty common in the NBA. Not always called depending on who you are, but that's pretty common in this game. uh, But again, shot selections is what Jim Pete was talking about specifically. And I would agree Three-point shots from the corner, those are a must when he's open. I think those are a really efficient shot, very similar to what you're getting from Gibson. I think those are really important shots to be taking. In addition, Gorgie Jang takes a lot of mid-range shots. The difference when he takes them, though, is that he's wide open, and he has a pretty, in my eyes anyways, I'm not looking up the stat currently, but in my eyes, he's pretty efficient with that this season. He wasn't last season, but this season he's gotten a lot better. Uh, if you fa- uh, flash back to two seasons ago, he was incredible from the mid-range. And he's never gotten that back, but he's definitely starting to trend in the right direction. But the corner three and the wide-open mid-range, those are two shots I have no issues with. And then if he's able to get inside, he, he actually has a little bit of a drive, uh, ability to drive the lane, actually, too, for a big man, as long as he doesn't travel anyways. That's another thing I think that can help us out a lot. But again, Jang playing very good basketball right now off of the bench. Batum, uh, there's a play, shove three wolves. So a shot goes up. Nick Batum is basically behind three Timberwolves players. Shot goes up, and and this is what we talked about earlier, boxing out. And actually, the wolves are in pretty good position. Now, they didn't necessarily box out. Again, part of what I talked about is getting low and going back and feeling like you want to, your body should be hitting the guy behind you, and you should be able to push back into him to make sure you're fending him off. That did not happen here, but what did happen is at least putting yourself in between the the offensive player and the basket is a big part of being a good defender and a good defensive rebounder. That specifically happened, but then Sarge gets shoved in the back by Nick Batoon. No call. And on top of that, after that happens, Nick Batoon gets an and-one opportunity, which is beyond frustrating. And again, this is, goes back to refereeing in this game at times was really poor and for the NBA to allow stuff like this I'm sure there's some sort of a a checks and balances but man it just seems like there's too many games where whether it's uh, whether it's me whether it's you know other other fan bases I'm sure are get frustrated too and and you see it go on Twitter sometime go on uh you know forums uh teams get or fans get really frustrated with officiating the NBA more so than I would say almost any league and so that's something you would definitely hope uh, would improve uh, sooner than later. 
Checking in with our live simulation, 158 to go in the first quarter. Score is 11-6. to Portland is beating the Timberwolves so far, but this could be very similar to what we looked at, we're looking at with this Hornets game. Maybe just a slow start. Again, time will tell with the simulation there. Second quarter was by far and away our worst quarter. Defense struggled. All of a sudden, Wolves are down 51-37. to It just seemed like a bat of the eye. All of a sudden, you look at the scoreboard, you're like, wait, 14? How did that happen? But it did, and and obviously the Wolves at this stage have to find a way to get better in this game. You're, you're watching the game, and again, in that first quarter, I talked about luck, but in the second quarter, I felt like we definitely, at least at the start, I felt like the Hornets were outplaying us. One thing I've liked currently with the team is Darius Saric. His shot is looking much better and more consistent uh, when he hits a three. There was a stretch there where when he would shoot, uh, I don't know if line drive is the right word for it, but it definitely seemed like there just wasn't enough height on his jump shot. I feel like he's getting a little more consistent with that. And when he shoots, I have a pretty good feeling it's going to go in, at least more so than I did before. One thing I've seen is, and Jim P talked about this in this game specifically, but you're watching players at times when we're struggling on defense, ball watching too much. For anyone that watched the Timberwolves when we had Shabazz Muhammad here, Shabazz Muhammad was very, very bad at that. So, it was never an effort thing with him necessarily, but, but you'll see that with some of the Wolves too is they're in good defensive position. They're trying to stay between their player and the ball. But let's say your guy is in the corner and you're kind of in between the basket and him, but you're also a little uh, towards the center more and you're trying to keep an eye on both. If you watch the ball too much, all it takes is he can backdoor behind you and run to the basket or it gives you other options he can cut up. If you're not paying attention to your defender as much as you're ball watching, so many problems can happen. And, and then you saw that here in the second quarter, and that definitely was a, a bit of a struggle, no questions asked, uh, for the Wolves in this one in the second quarter, specifically at least. You know, in the second quarter, when we had the Hornets really seeming to dominate a bit, you had a jump ball opportunity, and it was a big mismatch. I don't remember the specific players, but it, it really frustrated me. You watch this play happen, and for some reason we overloaded on our side despite the mismatch. And so what happens, of course, is the Hornets win that jump ball, go on a fast break, and get two easy points. So now we're talking six minutes to go in the second quarter, and it's 55-40. to 40. Like, super frustrating to watch this because there's no excuse for that. I mean, absolutely no excuse. You're watching this, and, and you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, what happened? Why would you do that when you have a clear disadvantage in this jump ball? Why would you not pay more attention to this? And they didn't. And it was very, very frustrating, to say the least, to watch that happen with, uh, with the Wolves because it's, it's one of those things where there's really no excuse. It, it's such a basic concept. You clearly can see whether or not your player has the advantage or not. You know, Carl Towns is going up against J.J. Barea. You're like, okay, we have the advantage. But at the same token, if you know, Muggsy Bogues is going up against Hakeem Olajuwon, I'm pretty sure Muggsy Bogues isn't winning that jump ball. And so that's something that the team needs to be more aware of. And that's two easy points. And all of a sudden, you're down 55 to 40. You're down 15 points. And all of a sudden, you're looking at yourself as a Wolves fan going, what happened? And this play right here is just a microchasm of the issues that we were seeing in that second quarter. Back to a look into our virtual Wolves and their simulation. First quarter, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Does he get the shot off? He Oh, he does, and he makes it. So ending the first quarter, the Wolves were on a nice little run, but a buzzer beater for Seth Curry puts the Blazers up 13-12 to going into that second quarter. In this one, Teague struggles, and we talked about this earlier, but Teague really, stru Teague really struggles to feed Cat in the post. 
again, way too much dribbling, but you'll watch specific plays where Towns gets pretty good post-presence, and he'll back up, and he'll have a nice seal going, and Teague still doesn't work the ball in. And that's something that Teague has to work better at, just less dribbling, more passing as far as uh, Towns in the post is concerned, especially when he gets deep into the post. You really want to look to feed him if you can. One thing Thibs mentioned before this game was he said you can't start the road trip before before the homestand is over. And as you're watching this, you started to worry if that was the case. The Wolves have played really well at home, and I found myself saying, Thibs, you're right. This team looks like they're looking ahead because they seem just not disfo- not like they had lost complete focus, but at times almost that, where they, it was like, well, this is a team we should beat, and you should, but you can't just overlook teams. And the Hornets aren't a bad team. Let's not pretend that Kemba Walker-led team is bad. They've got some good players, and you have to pay attention to that. There are not many teams in this league. I would say there's none. There's no team in the NBA that's so bad. You can just you can just show up and bring your C game. Be like, all right, well, we'll still win this game. It just doesn't work that way, at least not for a full game. You For stretches, sure. And when you're in the second quarter, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping this is just a, a bump in the road, and the team be, regains their focus. After that, Wiggins hits a big three, and then a monster must-see jam. So if you have not seen this, definitely go to the highlights from this one. A huge jam. All of a sudden, it's back to a 10-point game. And this makes me look back to the last game we played, where Wiggins hits a big three going into the half, and it seemed like everything changed. Wiggins, again, was able to do something that really brought the momentum back in our favor. And that's exactly what you what you need from a team like the Wolves and a player like Wiggins, who guys look for to continue taking that next step. And lately, he's been doing that. After this, town, the team seems much more energized. And especially Wiggins, you could definitely see it there. Thibs mentions that Wiggins is getting his rhythm back lately. And I, I would agree. And a lot of that is the presence of Jimmy Butler no more. Now that he's gone, I think players are able to you know contribute better and things look better. As, you, as the second quarter is winding down, all of a sudden, four-point game, baby. And you are getting super excited. What you're starting to see, too, in this last stretch of games is Wiggins showing off his his vision. Uh, and then what was really cool is Wiggins takes a drive, drives a little too far in. This is kind of one of those things you used to see from Alexi Shved where he drive in, jump, turn, and then kick out. But Wiggins did a great job. Drives in, gets a little too deep, jumps, turns. And in this instance, you know, we mentioned how he sometimes uses his athleticism as a crutch on mid-range jump shots. Here, is, it was a great idea to use your athleticism. Takes a jump, draws two defenders in, turns, rows, cuts to the basket, hits the two, and it's a two-point game. This is an 18-5 to run for the Wolves. So all of a sudden, you felt like what a, a game that was starting to slip away and the Wolves were starting to lose their focus, and all of a sudden you're going, this feels like such a completely different team. Tech on the Hornets after that makes it a one-point game as we make the free throw. So things are clearly trending in the right direction. All the momentum going towards the Timberwolves, which is great since we're at home and you can get that crowd into it. It's going to make things that much better. As the half ends, Towns gets a nice block. So again, all the momentum's on the Wolves. Crowd is into it. And now you're starting to see a team that is clearly trending in that right direction. It's the team we saw going into this game, and it's the team you expected to get. No surprise, Wiggins was interviewed going into halftime. He mentions the importance of running the floor, pushing the ball, and getting stops. He also said a key is going to be to continue playing together. So teamwork is going to be crucial if the team is going to be able to keep this up in that second half. What I really appreciate in this, Ryan Saunders, so going out of the halftime recently, he has been the guy they interview. He mentions the key to this team winning this game is going to be making easy plays, extra passes, 
energy, and aggressive Wiggins. And on top of that, getting stops. That's how they're going to win this game. And I couldn't agree more. And this is this has been a consistent thing. Players and coaches mentioning an aggressive Wiggins. The way I see it, keep saying it. Keep talking it. Maybe if you talk it into existence, it continues. Because it's one of those things where if we can figure out the special sauce for Andrew Wiggins, I, I think that's going to be crucial. Great great news, guys. In at, Right as I say that, in the simulation, Wiggins goes in, has a chance to take a, a mid-range shot, instead passes it up, hits a wide-open Towns. Now, Towns ends up taking a mid-range shot, but he's wide open, hits the shot. So, like we talked about, Wiggins and his vision, Wiggins being more aggressive, Wiggins making smart decisions, 2K19 agrees. Now, going into the second half, Hornets are 9-2 and when leading at the half, as they do here. Wolves 2-10 and when they don't lead. But a lot of that is going to be pre-Butler statistics. We have not had a lot of instances where the Wolves actually have been losing at halftime. But they've started that right trend, uh, at least more recently. Second half, Wiggins starts on fire, scores, then a huge block back on the defensive end. So he keeps up that aggressiveness. Like Ryan Siners talked about, aggressive Wiggins is going to be key, and he has shown up early on in the second half. Ask and you shall receive. I wanted more Gibson threes, and as the second or as the third quarter is starting up, Gibson hits a three, and that's his second of the night. So you're starting to see the team look for that shot if it's available with him and Gorgie Jang because it's it's a lot more efficient than those long twos we've sometimes see them shoot. Uh, in in defense of Taj Gibson, you know earlier on in the season you definitely saw him shoot a lot more mid range shots when he was open. It's rare you see that shot anymore. He's driving in, he's posting up, or he's taking threes. He's definitely adjusted his game more so to the modern NBA recently, and I love seeing that. Jumping to Jeff Teague, he gets a steal and a breakaway. The Wolves all of a sudden are up four points. This is actually Teague's first field goal, but he has eleven assists so far. So it's tough to complain about Jeff Teague outside of what we already did complain about Jeff Teague. But again, 11 assists is definitely a good trend. Adding another bad call to the mix, Ref changes a call to give to the Hornets, and they show a replay, and he was clearly wrong. That's so frustrating to me. He goes, and he clearly goes to say it's Wolves' ball and that it was off the Hornets, but right as he goes to do it, he stops himself and says, "Uh, uh, nope, nope, it was off Towns. And it's like, Towns is like, no, it's not. That didn't even touch me. Show a replay, clearly didn't touch him. Stuff like that just gets frustrating, especially when they had the call right the first time. Why change it? If you're not sure, this always goes back to me when they do replays in any sport. I hate when they change the call when you actually can't tell. And that does happen. Like, end of games in the NBA, and all of a sudden you, they go to the out-of-bounds, and you're like, well, maybe maybe it goes off this guy, but I don't think you can change it. And then they'll change the call. This felt like that, where it was clearly close. I mean, it was close, but you can't change the call just because it's close. And in the end, he was wrong. He was not correct. And that stuff like that just frustrates me. Again, this was a solid game. Not trying to rip the officials necessarily, although they were worse in this game. But uh, I want to move on from that. Uh, Towns then has a hustle play after uh, Covington gets his second floater. Covington had a couple really nice floaters in this game. Maybe he's been working with Tyus Jones, who at least historically, not so much this season, but historically he has been able to get good floater game going and maybe Cousins is or maybe Covington is working with him on that but the hustle play from Towns was great so Covington gets that second floater and as they're as they kind of rush to pass the ball in Towns kind of out of the corner eye sees this and is able to get in the passing lane get that steal and he was able to go for the uh, go to the free throw and he did get fouled missed one of two and that actually seems to be a trend recently the Wolves do seem to be struggling a bit at the line 
And in this game, it's been clear, 5 of 11 so far in this game. So not only in close games, but even games where you have a pretty comfortable lead, you can't be missing free throws, especially because you don't know how a team's going to finish a game. You could have a 15-point lead that should be a 22-point lead, let's say, because you missed a bunch of free throws. And if that team goes on a run, that game's now in question. But if you had made those free throws, I mean, look at this game, for example. You know, Wolves are up by four points. You give those six points, that's a 10-point lead. All of a sudden, this game looks a lot different. And so it's going to be crucial for this team to work on their free throws, an area where I just feel like recently they have struggled a bit. Andrew Wiggins continues that aggressive play. He drove the ball two separate drives. Now, he missed both of them, but you can't let that deter yourself if you're Andrew Wiggins. You've got to keep doing that, especially because the more you drive, so if, you, if Andrew Wiggins focuses on shooting open threes, driving the lane, there's two things that are going to happen. Number one, he's a good enough three-point shooter where he's going to start to consistently make those shots. That's going to cause teams to have to pull out on him. When they go out to cover him at the three-point line, that gives him that opportunity to then drive the lane. If he drives the lane more, that's going to get into the line more. That's going to give him more shots. Uh, I I would say overall, and, and statistically, he has been better this season from the free throw line. In fact, I would say he's much better. And if you do all those three things, you're going to get more open threes. You're going to be able to do lots of stuff. Jumping into our look at the 2K19 Virtual Wolves taking on the Trailblazers. They are up, Wolves up 25-22 as the third quarter starts. And uh, you get a nice feed inside to Teague by Towns. Teague going to the line to make it a five-point lead early in the third quarter. In in this uh, Hornets game here, so four ties, nine lead changes so far in this one. Score is 80-80 currently. So both teams really fighting to stay alive in this one. Teague over-dribbling again. i got to mention it again because consistently in this game, it was a problem. Over-dribbling. Teague has to stop this if this team's going to be successful. Again, we're winning games, and I'm not going to say we're winning games despite Jeff Teague, uh, as they actually show his, uh, his statistics on the season on the, on the board here. 12.1 points, 8 assists per game. So there's a, that's an interesting statistic anyways. You're getting some scoring. You're getting some passing, obviously. But... If we're going to be truly successful, I mean, again, the Wolves have been amazing over this last stretch, but just think if you took away some more of these flaws that we have as a team, make a huge difference. Timely threes, though, have been a key in this one for the Hornets. It seems like every time the Wolves are trying to go on a run or the Wolves are trying to maybe start to pull away, you get a Hornets three-pointer. And some of them are wide open, but some of them have been very well defended and just good shots. So that's going to be something to watch for uh, the rest of this one. Saric and Rose come in in the third Always seem to make a huge impact. So 86 to 86 is the score after three. Again, Sharich and Rose, though, when they come in immediately, whether it's passing, whether it's rebounding, whether it's defense, as far as Sharich is concerned, I, I need to watch Rose a little more defensively just to kind of see what we're getting from him. But ultimately, when those two come in the game, it makes a huge difference. And they're a big reason why the, the Wolves have been consistent and when they've been playing well uh, from the bench. Uh, but this is the second time, so we mentioned 86-86 after three, end of the third. But this is the second time in this game, bad clock awareness. We didn't even get a shot off, and that actually happened earlier in the game too. And that's something the team's got to be better at. We don't need Mike Zimmer here. Mike Zimmer, uh, the Wolf, or the Vikings coach, is one of those guys that has seemed to struggle so far this season as far as clock management is concerned, and the Wolves need to be better at that. you can't. You got to be able to at least get shots off, bottom line. Even if they're not great shots, at least get a shot off. So at this point... Nick Batoon, how about this stat? 18 points. You don't see that too often. Batoon has not exactly had a great year, especially considering how much money the guy makes. But in addition, Kaminsky's getting minutes. 
And as Jim Pete points out, you're getting a lot of anomalies in this game. And that's what Jim Pete calls it. But a lot of things that you don't normally see. You don't normally see Nick Batoon playing well. You don't normally see Kaminsky getting any minutes in the fourth quarter. So this is something you're getting in this one. A lot of players that don't normally see minutes are getting run in this one. And you're seeing different lineups and, and just kind of different usage uh, so far from the Hornets. Maybe trying to work through some stuff uh, as a coach. The Wolves up one, though. So the Wolves up one, 83-82. Sorry, I misspoke. At the end of three, the game was tied, but it was not 86-86. But so Wolves up one, 83-82, just under nine minutes to go. Uh, Covington gets fouled from three, clear no call, and the Hornets drive the other way. They score. All of a sudden, Wolves are trailing 86-83. to At this point, we've now had 17 lead changes in the game. That's crazy, and eight ties. So you talk about a, like a fist fight. This is exactly what you're getting here, a really good matchup. Wolves call a timeout. Out of that timeout, Towns hits a three, and then the Wolves score another one, and all of a sudden, Wolves lead by two. If that stretch of plays doesn't tell you how this game has gone so far, I don't know what else does. It's just such a good back and forth. Both teams really fighting to try to get a win in this one. As Towns gets a great spin post move, makes it a 7-0 run. All of a sudden, the Wolves are up by four, and the team looks like all of a sudden they have this new energy, this new life. Crowd's getting into it. And everything is turning in the right direction. There is six and a half minutes to go in this one. With 5.30 left, though, Wolves' largest lead of the game. And now, can they finally pull away is the question I found myself asking as I watched this one. Wolves are on a 15-2 run overall. And it gets them to up 10 points. Now, if you go off that stat, 10 points or more of a lead. And the Wolves are 12-2 and on the season. So you're feeling pretty good about this one. Four minutes left now. Wolves are up 12 and all of a sudden, you're feeling like this thing is broken wide open by the Timberwolves. Wolves taking their time now. Uh, great spacing with Towns. You're starting to see the team as a whole at this point in the game are really they're slowing things down, trying to take some time off the clock. You're up by 12 points. There's four minutes left. There's no reason to rush anything, especially given how well the Hornets have been shooting from three in this one. Haven't scored. So Towns is able to get an impressive drive, finishes, and all of a sudden the Wolves are up 14. But on top of that, it's been over five minutes since the Hornets have scored. And that tells you just how good this team has been. We score one more time, and all of a sudden, look at this. It's a 22-2 run. The Wolves are up 17, and this game went from in the second quarter, all of a sudden you're wondering what's going on, and all of a sudden the Wolves are blowing out the Hornets. Absolutely fantastic. At that point, you know it's a great game as Josh Akogi is able to come in, who he does get a little bit of a standing ovation. And for good reason, you don't get to see a lot of Akogi, but when he gets to come in, that's when you know the game is under wraps and the game is over as the Wolves were able to end up winning this game 121 to 104. And hopefully these virtual Wolves are able to pull out a win as currently they are up 35 to 30 over the Portland Trailblazers with just over a minute to go in that third quarter. Again, that's of the 2K19 live simulation that we're, uh, we have on the background here in the den. I'll look into the statistics for this one. We start off with the Hornets. Nick Patoon, again, lead the, leading the way with 18 points. You also had 18 points from Jeremy Lamb. But how much? How about this? Nick Patoon is a minus 17. Jeremy Lamb a minus 18. And they weren't even the worst. Kemba Walker a minus 21. Now, again... You're not winning games without Kemba Walker. Let's not pretend for a second that he you know, is the reason why you're losing games. He's one of the only reasons this team is even competitive. But, again, this is why plus-minus in single-game uh, looks is, is not exactly ideal and doesn't really give you a good picture of what happened in a game. But 
that is the tale of the tape. But Kem Walker, 15 points. He did have two rebounds and five assists. You, uh, If you're a Hornets fan, obviously you'd like to see more there. But only one turnover. Uh, as, as for the starters, exactly, not a lot of turnovers. Looks like they had four turnovers as a starting unit, which isn't bad. The bench, uh, obviously, was a little less productive. How about this, though? Tony Parker was a plus four, despite not scoring a single point. Five assists, two rebounds, and one turnover. But plus four for him. Malik Monk, 17 minutes. He was a plus one. Ten points. He was three of six in the field, but 0 of three from three. You'd like to see him be a little more productive off the bench uh, for the Hornets, if you're a Hornets fan. By the way, checking in to our... Wow, there it is. That's unfortunate. Well, just about to check in, and uh, a long two-point shot actually ties the game up in our simulation. It's 41-41, 3-13 to go in the fourth quarter. So this is a barn burner, to say the least. Definitely going to be a close one in this uh, simulation. As Andrew Wiggins gets a nice post up here, and he is able to... Oh, nope, he couldn't finish. Tried to draw the foul. Exactly what we were talking about, actually. That's what we like to see is aggressive Wiggins. Jumping over to the Minnesota side of things, that's where, obviously, the teams uh, definitely differentiate. If you take a look, by the way, at the starters for the Wolves, how about this? Jeff Teague, plus 33. Andrew Wiggins, plus 26. Carl Towns, plus 28. So every single starter was a plus. One of the only... There's two players that really struggled a bit as far as plus-minus goes. That's Tyus Jones at a minus 16, Gorgie Jang at a minus 11. So maybe just didn't have their strongest outings in this one. Points-wise, led the way by Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Carl Towns, 35 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 6 blocks, 2 steals, just 2 turnovers, 4 fouls. A monster game from him. And then jumping over, and how about this, 4 or 5 from 3 for him. And actually, if we look specifically at threes, four of five for Towns, three of five for Wiggins, two of three for Gibson, one of three from Covington, two of three from Dario Saric, 12 of 24 as a squad. That is fantastic, and it doesn't get much better than that, unfortunately, as a three is hit by, or sorry, another long two by Portland. With 152 to go, Portland is up 43 to 41. Andrew Wiggins, by the way, 26 points, but he also had six rebounds, Five assists, unfortunately four turnovers, but that aggressive Wiggins is exactly what we need to see. And six rebounds, five assists, if you got that every single game, in addition to getting the 20-plus 20, 20 points, I, I think all the people that are really frustrated at Wiggins would probably go away because those are fantastic numbers. You'd be very pleased with that, in addition to the fact that he's playing better defense. And if he's able to put all of that together, now you're getting Max Wiggins. Now you're getting the guy that you're paying big money to. And that's what all the Timberwolves fans have to hope for going forward. Again, your final in this one was an impressive victory for the Wolves, 121-104. to Jumping over to the simulation, 15.5 seconds left, Portland up by one. We actually, Jeff Teague has been phenomenal in this one. He actually was able to play some lockdown defense on Dame Lillard for a number of possessions. He hits a huge three because the Wolves were down four. Teague gets a huge three. We actually got the rebound. We actually were running down the court with 20 seconds left. Robert Covington had a shot to hit a three. He's wide open, and he misses the three, unfortunately. And then we end up having to foul because the time limit is left. We're down three points now with 15 and a half seconds to go as the Wolves do call timeout. But 15 and a half seconds, 
We'll see what happens here. Uh, we'll come back at you at the end of the game. But this has been pretty cool. But, again, the final in that Hornets game, 121-104. to The Hornets do end up losing as the Timberwolves take that victory at home. We end up falling in this one in the simulation here. Um, Portland ends up – so they're up 51-48. They're at the free throw line right now, though. So there's only five and a half seconds left. So that's all she wrote in this one. Hopefully the Wolves have a better fate as they do take on the Trailblazers in their next contest. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Manette channel. We are the Howl. Again, if you missed any portion of this, you can find us on Podient. Spotify now, Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere great podcasts, great radio shows are found. We are on the air on Dash Radio. It's nothing but that channel. Wednesdays, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, and Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. And until next time, let me get a howl.